I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. So this start hasn't been exactly what I envisioned for a team I think can win the division. But we'll get into that, and we'll get into a lot of stuff on this episode, because we have some things to talk about. Some events have transpired, and we will cover them, I promise you. First, let me introduce you to the panel for the evening. You know them by now. Let's start it out with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. So the Flyers, over the last couple of weeks, it seems like have embarked on some kind of weird PR campaign that seems to be aimed at making us like Dave Haxtall. And to be quite honest, I'm finding it a bit insulting because it's <laughs> like we don't dislike Dave Haxtall because we think he's a dick. We hate Dave Haxtall because he's bad at coaching our hockey team. Yeah. And there's no amount of like wakeboarding and like goofiness and drinking Wawa coffee on camera is going to make me like him. To be fair, the, I'm, to be fair. I'm sure there are some people who don't like him because of the lack of emotion he shows on the bench. Like, I, I, not Maybe not necessarily people who listen to this show, yeah. but yeah. there is a not insubstantial segment of the fan base that dislikes him for that dumb reason. I do get comments on like post-game and stuff where they just want him to be like John Tortorella. And I'm like, listen, I don't need that. Yeah. I need him to stop fucking playing Andrew McDonald. So, That's why I don't like him. So someone but, in my Twitter mentions told me that on Puck Soup, which I don't listen to, um, no? No, Wyshynski said that Flyers fans instinctively hate any coach who looks like he would lose in a bar fight. And I kind of can't argue with that. <laughs> and Dave Haxall would absolutely lose in a bar fight. But so. I also turned on an organization, went on the organization, and started only wearing a Los Angeles kink. Like, it was a protest of mine. Mm-hmm. Until... Baruby and uh, and Holmgren were no longer you know in yeah. charge of the organization. But, I mean, the, and and those up. guys would absolutely win most. Oh bar yeah, Baruby oh, would kick ass <laughs> in bar fights. Yeah. yeah. The real lesson here is that we, Flyers fans pretty much just hate any coach who really doesn't win just a championship. Hate authority. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't win a championship because the Flyers have not won a championship since 1975. We pretty much hate everybody. There's been one. Good coach. <laughs> There's been one good coach. His name is Fred Shiro, and all the rest have been bummed. <laughs> From theAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So in our monthly reminder, we tend to get these every month or so, that the NHL collective bargaining agreement is weird. Apparently we all, and I'm including the great resource Cat Friendly in in this as well, we're all fooled by Alex Lyon's waiver status because he was sent down last week and he didn't have to pass through waivers. 
So the reason is, is because he was deemed to assign his first NHL contract at age 23. And because of that, he receives three years of waiver exemption. Now, he signed the contract at the end of the 2015-16 season. So I think everybody just assumed, well, that's year one. 2016-17 is year two. 2017-18 is year three. This year, he's no longer waiver exempt. Has to pass through waivers. Well, apparently there's a little clause in the CBA that says if you didn't actually play a professional game in a year, it doesn't count towards waiver status. So, actually, this is year three. So we don't have to worry about losing Alex Lyon this year by uh, sending him down, which is cool. And that does like f- make the logjam a little bit less crazy. Now, about Michael Neuvert getting healthy and Calvin Pickard, I, I don't know. But, well, but, but this makes it slightly less complicated, which is good. I woke up to, a, I think it was a, a notification from the Phantoms app. It was like, oh yeah, Alex Lyon loaned to the Phantom. Wait, what? How? <laughs> Didn't, wasn't this like a whole... And then I go to Twitter, and I think it was Dave Isaac figured it out first, maybe? Yeah, well, I saw I, he tweeted it. Yeah, well, I got... I got a comment from what's his name, uh, Hanrahan, the the cap guy, and he was like, "Yeah, Hanrahan." Yeah, yeah. I mean, that <laughs> always time. has to be that. <laughs> yes. But uh, but yeah, and he said that like, nope, we're allowed to present him down, and then parse through the CBA, and as it turns out, the guy who's paid to do this was right about this particular rule. <laughs> Amazing. What a time! What is going on? We didn't have sound oh, is that for the, the past, sound? past is it... 10 minutes. That's fine. But we have sound now, so... That just happens. Sometimes it kicks in, like... On the Facebook? Yeah. I'll yeah, it just, doesn't make any sense. I'll just be in the middle of a post game. they're like, Bill, there, there's there been no sound. And then all of a sudden, I'll, oh, I'll finally see the comment, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's fine but now. People see you're seeing you talk, like, damn, there's sound again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they really just watch for my looks. Last, <laughs> but certainly not least... Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So to respond to what everybody had been saying since I was dealing with this, <laughs> I like Dave Haxtall the person, mm-hmm. and it fucking kills me. <laughs> um, yeah, Alex Lyon, that was weird. Um, and then lastly, my own is that we have hit officially and surpassed one million listens. Hot hey! Damn, which is absolutely fucking incredible. It's um, pretty wild. I, I we actually hit it and passed it a while ago. I just wasn't paying enough attention. So, you know, I promised a party. Stay tuned. Outstanding. I love it. Uh, so I need people ready to jump off a bridge and disown the team and call them soft and losers after Saturday's loss to listen to Aaron Rodgers and R-E-L-A. X. And I know that's funny coming from me, the guy who yells all the time. You do enjoy yelling. (laughs) But, like, they couldn't, after Saturday's game, they couldn't put a puck behind a good goalie who played a great game. Shit happens. That's hockey. I know they're 0-2 at home. I'm sorry to those of you who buy tickets. But this team is better than last year, and in time we'll show that. Is it, though? Yeah. Are you sure? Absolutely positive. The players are better. The the ones that are actually playing, though? And that's just part of it. That's hockey. Again, people get injured. There's chemistry. There's getting into the flow of a season. The first week of an 82-game, six-plus-month regular season isn't what is going to define any team in this league. Good start, bad start, has only played one game because they were overseas. Whatever. Doesn't matter. First week, eh, that's not who your team's going to be. What matters is playing your best hockey as the spring approaches. Not playing your best hockey before Halloween. I just, yeah, two and three, not great. But if you're ready to just abandon the team and say, this is why they should have blown up the core because we'd have Austin Matthews, no, we wouldn't. Bill, I'm, you're supposed to be the reactionary one. I'm supposed to be like the long-distance view person. This is, this is, this is messing with our, with our chemistry here. Now, do, do I have to take on the, no, everything's actually terrible. Yeah. And I'm angry about it. 
Yes. Okay. I love passion, and I love the fans of Philadelphia, and I love that we care about every single game in hockey, which most most fan bases don't. But if you're ready to abandon all hope because they're two and three, Jesus, take a breath. I think it was Kurt who posted this in our Slack chat a few, maybe like last year, and he said that you know one thing about the Eagles dominating everything in Philadelphia is that. In football, every game matters a lot because there's only 16 of them. Whereas in the other three sports, there are a lot more games. But we treat every game as if it holds the importance of an Eagles game, which it doesn't because there's a lot more games. I mean, look at the way that the Flyers have gotten into the playoffs over the last few years. Every game does matter. I mean, to a degree, sure. No, literally every game matters. Of course every game matters, but it's not like going to starting out the season two and three is going to kill you. Mm-mm. The thing that bothers me. I mean, the me, bad teams in the division are now at the top. And which, Eventually, it's going to catch up. Which, which have, shows why the early season doesn't matter that and much. They because they're probably bad. At some point, have a five game stretch where they extract four points. It's going to happen to every single team in the entire league at some point this season. The thing that bothered me most is that they weren't able to get one point about out of that Saturday game because yeah. they deserve. They need. When Brian yeah. Elliott plays well. You need to capitalize because he's an up and down guy, and when he's up, you need to you need to take advantage. But Sean Couturier making a bad defensive play—that's uh, not going to happen a bunch of times. No. I'm not that worried about the way they lost that game. They had like three breakaways, couldn't score on any of them. Uh, Flurry played great. What are you going to do? They're losing guys. The third period was bad, and they were basically without two players for a majority of the game. Such is life. Sometimes I hate it too. I like when the Flyers win, but. Two and three. Relax. They suck. Let's get into these injuries, though, because they are mounting at an alarming rate. Uh, and it's not like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to be without Nick Grossman for a week, guys. He blocked nine shots and he lost his leg. <laughs> like, no, Nolan Patrick, James Van Riemsdyk, Travis Konechny, Michael Neuvert, Oscar Lindblom, Scott Lawton. These are, and, of course, Andrew McDonald, who's yeah. playing through his injury, apparently. Like, what is going on with these guys? Can we, ex- like, Nolan Patrick, 7 to 10, what do we think this is? It looked like he hit his head. He got slashed in the face. We think it's a shoulder. I used what, at first, people like, Bill, don't use the C word. And I was like, oh, man, did I just make a real big mistake on post game? <laughs> I was like, did I just say something I really didn't want to say? <laughs> but they're like, concussion, Bill, concussion. Don't say that word. And it doesn't look like it's a concussion because they gave it a timeline uh, seven to ten days from last Thursday. Shoulder? Are we thinking shoulder? So he skated today. Um, not full in practice, but he went. He was on the ice before practice started. Um, did not have a face, like a face guard or a cage or anything. So I don't think they would have him do that. Like I remember back when when he had the concussion last year, he was going out before practice and like the Perrier and the coaching staff were like running him hard. I think they were basically like trying to spark concussion symptoms mm-hmm. so that if that happened, they were like, okay, well now we push the timeline back even further. I think he was just kind of skating. Like I, I my guess is it's shoulder. Like it just, that just makes the most sense because the last play he got hit into the boards a little awkwardly. And this is kind of around the same timeline they gave Sanheim when he obviously had a shoulder injury in that preseason game. So mm-hmm. it's kind of what I'm guessing, uh, but it sucks. I mean, if, you know what it really sucks about it is that, Patrick, as we talked about on last week's show, did not have an amazing start. Looked was maybe the only player in that San Jose debacle that played well and yeah. looked like he was about to break through. Yeah. And then we're not even done one period of the following game and he's hurt. And it sucked because it was looked like he was a right about to turn into the guy who we thought we were going to get from game one. And now he's injured. Now we got to wait seven to ten days to see him again. Yeah, that kind of happened last year before he got the concussion 
where it looked like he was just about to turn the corner and then he was out for a few weeks. Yeah, I... Is there something to all these injuries? We're getting like maybe they're getting their bad luck out of the way now. No, remember where we live. <laughs> no, I mean I <laughs> I've said this exist. a million times. Like if guys are going to get going to get hurt now, let's just get it all out of the way. Yeah, just boom. front load all of them, or they get hurt throughout the entire season, and this is another lost year. No, I, I am like I am a ray of sunshine today, guys. JVR, we touched on this last week. It's a bummer just because. We looked at the lineup and went, okay, so JVR on line three with Vorobiev and Simmons. Boom, or line, well, really, we said line two. Yeah. Yeah. If, it's, if it's line three, it's yeah. fine. I mean, as long whatever, as it's getting Whatever you time, want but, to call it. Yeah. One of these middle lines that isn't the Couturier-Giroux line. Right. Uh, we, we, got, we got a couple lines that can score. Awesome. Cool. JVR and out then, immediately. Boom. So yeah. we lose that. Travis Konechny played through his foot thing. He took a shot in practice. Is that what happened? It did look good. Um, I was kind of mildly surprised that he played through it, but he looked pretty much like the same guy on Saturday, so I guess he's fine. Uh, he took a stick to the face as well in that game. He's just getting all he's getting the, the shit kicked out of him in the early going. And then what? Then Lawton nearly like killed himself sliding into the boards. Again. Yeah, that that, that, that was bad. Eerily similar to that play uh against the Caps in the playoff game a couple years ago where he was out, you know, for, I'd love it if he stopped doing yeah, it. Yeah, and it was for a dude, and we're going to get into Scott Lawton because the start to his season is really encouraging, and he's one of the bright spots so far. But Jesus, the fact that he came back was incredible. Yeah, that was amazing. I was like, oh man, he. Just, I thought he broke his back. Like, in the way, because if you've never slid from that distance, it both happens really fast and really slow. <laughs> and like, I, you're thinking, okay, how can I go in? And cause myself the least amount of damage, and the answer to that is you can't. This is really gonna. This is really, really, really gonna hurt. hurt. No matter what, you're going at a really high speed. Well, maybe if I go in with my back, it won't be my knees and it won't be my head. And it's oh no, I just crunched my whole body. Like the fact that he came back from that was awesome. But of course, he came back after Oscar Limblom gets I don't know a flying forearm to the head to drive it into the boards and yeah. now that's just a cool hockey play that's we didn't, fine we didn't we didn't we, we're not talking about it this uh, this whole uh yeah we're focusing on head contact we're trying to take it away is kind of a joke right oh it's a giant joke like oh, we're, we're, just, we're just deciding that now like brad marchand jumps a guy for celebrating and punches him in the dome a that's couple fine. times it's like nah that's hockey you're not allowed to have fun uh Oscar Lindblom just kind of playing hockey, gets elbowed in the head into the boards. Nah, that's hockey. To, I, I don't think that was suspension-worthy. No, but it definitely no, deserved it a, penalty. a penalty. It deserved yeah. a penalty. It was a if penalty. There's no, but that's the idea to me of supplemental discipline. If there is no discipline, you need to supplement it. It's a fine. It's something. You can't drive your forearm into a guy's head when he's up against the board. Limblom did turn a very dirty late. play. He turned very late. It's a penalty to I've me. I've been told that doesn't matter. No, it should matter. It, it it should still be a penalty, especially because it's not like he pulled up. I mean, I've been he saw he matter. saw the numbers and drove through, but like it happens. You you say this all the time. It ha- stuff happens really quickly. It that does. did happen really quickly. It does. But I've been told when your name is Radko Gudis, you deserve jail time. Well, Radko Gudis decapitated a dude last year. All right, that, <laughs> that was a totally different play. But he was, before that, before the stick play, he did that exact same thing and was suspended. <sighs> I would have to go back and look. Forearm to the back of the head against the boards. That's as dirty as it gets, and he did it. That's, I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't as... I'm guessing his was worse, but I'm I, 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 I'm worse. willing to go back and look and see if my instincts are it's, Correct. It's just, you know, yeah. Broad Street bully. Well, Racco Gudis also sucks, so. Racco Gudis has been good this year. Yeah, I know he has. Has been well. He's been one of the least bad defensemen. I just, that stuff makes my, and also I do, 
I don't want to get on this train already, but I'm seeing a lot of guys take a lot of liberties on flyers out there, and I'm thinking, we could be a little tougher. Here we go. Oh, uh, William. So, so you were going with the forward thinking, you know, your hot take, and now you're back to old Bill. I love it. I'm just we're five games in. They could be a little tougher. <laughs> who? Who would you like yeah, to be who tougher? Would be? Uh, his name's Tyrell. Oh, for oh God! Sake. Do not put Don't, this on us again. If you say it two more times, he's <laughs> going to appear. I'm about to fire you, like <laughs> right now on the air. Uh, no. You can. <laughs> I have a contract, and I can rip it up because nah. I'm the boss. <laughs> I have a contract. Scott Lawton, fam, is who we were just talking. He about. looks good, man. He looks really, really good. Uh, I know we. He's had a lot of stops and starts in his career, and we've we've talked about it at length a number of times. What he could be, what we think his ceiling is, what his role is. But telling you, start this year. I like this guy a lot. Three goals in five games, looking really good on the penalty kill. Um, Haxall, Charlie putting the outline at practice today, says he's playing the best hockey of his career, and it's really hard to argue that. Yeah, Is he doing something differently, or is it just finally he's got a consistent role the coaching staff he's got the opti- or he's got the you know confidence of the coaching staff I- i've never seen this scott lawton and i don't know i've always liked the guy but you, you know one theory and i mean i, I was kind of i wouldn't say critical but i was just con- i was wondering why they keep switching his position and it just seems weird but he's looking good on the wing and to be fair he did play well um on the wing at the end of, I believe it was the 2015-16 season, to the point where we all sort of thought, okay, well, maybe he's a winger. And then they had him spend the entire year down in the AHL to learn how to be a shutdown center, and then spent most of last year as a shutdown center. And then at the end of last season, they decided, oh, no, you're, we're going to try you at wing because you were a terror has to be the fourth-line center. Well, maybe he is actually better at wing. And maybe they just, for some reason, spent almost two years trying to disabuse themselves of that notion. And now they finally come back around to where they were two and a half years ago. And, like... <laughs> Hey, actually, maybe he's a really good wing. That's I've always thought, especially defensively, you're able to use his speed a little more at wing. He can get he can get out up on the uh, out up on the point man. He can help you on the breakout, and maybe he's a little undersized to play center. But I don't. I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. No matter what his role is, uh, they moved him up because of all the injuries. I think he was at three LW. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's on, in the top nine now. Yeah, on uh, on Saturday, and he seemed to hold his own until the injury, and then of course came back. I'm excited. I think this could be kind of um, like found money because yeah. we all just, okay, yeah, Scott Lawton, nice fourth liner. Sure, maybe you want a little more out of a first round pick than fourth liner, but we'll take it. He's a contributor. And now there might be a little bit more there. I'm not saying he can stick, especially once some of these guys who we're expecting to come up at some point come up. But so far, so good, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was impressed with him last year. So uh, anything more than he does f- from last year is a success for me. I don't see him getting pushed out. Like that—that's the thing. I mean, to me, what I like about kind of where he sort of positioned himself with this team is that you know he's a he's a guy who the coaching staff has apparently deemed it okay for him to play on the fourth line, even though he has skills. And like as we kind of have learned over the last few weeks with Jordan Wheel, like Jordan Wheel has skills, but they've said he's not a fourth liner. I like the fact that Lawton, they are okay with viewing him as a guy who can play on the fourth line, but he's also more skilled than most of the guys they view as having to play on the fourth line. Maybe that's what the whole Phantoms thing was about. They just sent him down to, like, you need more grit, son. <laughs> and now we can play you on the fourth line, too. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, my biggest complaint about Scott Lawton since we've, 
had him is that I, I never really thought that he was going to find a spot on this team. And invariably, it seems like Dave Haxtell is the one that found him a spot that works. Because uh, it, it was... I think we've debated so much what is the one thing he does really well. Is he a guy that you can put out on your penalty kill and kind of use as a bottom-of-the-lineup guy? Or does he need to utilize his skill and he might not quite have enough for a top-nine role? Looks like he's got both things right now. How old is he now? 23, 24? He's not um, yet 25. He's 24, I believe. Yeah, I think he's still 24. All right, I so think. just starting to kind of reach his peak. And that's this is the best Scott Lawton we're going to see. He is entering yeah. his prime right now. This is finally we're getting the Scott Lawton. Maybe, maybe it just takes this long. You know, it does for some guys. Let's stick with the uh, let's stick with fourth liners. I know Lawton has has moved his way up, but I have found myself saying some things on post game these last couple of days. Yuri and Dale. What's up there, guys, man? Guys, I have, I mean, you all know how I feel about Dale Weiss. Me and his, mm-hmm. I have a personal issue with him. <laughs> and Yuri's, and Yuri's Yuri. You know, he's Yorled. Uh, but I gotta say, they've earned a little bit. They've earned their ice time right now. They, you know, Yuri starts out as the fourth line center, and we all go, oh, great, cool. Especially, okay, they have an out. You know, he's under investigation for a cocaine ring. We have an out. <laughs> We have an out. Okay. And then he comes back and he's just, oh, yeah, he's our fourth line center. Yeah, it's fine. What? what are you talking about, guys? And he's looked pretty, pretty good. Uh, and Dale. Well, let's not get crazy here. I mean, he's not looked bad. Yeah, I mean, right. But not looking bad is different than looking but pretty, even when pretty they, good. Even when they play, it's good. Yeah. Even when they played him up on the second line because of. Because they're out of guys. Yeah. They ran out of guys that one game. Even then, I was like, uh, wait. This should have been a huge disaster and everything seems fine. What's going on here? I think the problem is not so much these dudes. It's that the defense is a tire fire. And yeah, that's that's the main problem. So that's what we're looking at. I I don't I I mean, if you want to say they've been not bad, that's fine. I wouldn't go so far as to say they've been good. I would say Dale's been good. I, I actually, yeah, I, I would say Yuri is has been, pa- He's been has been passable. Yeah, Weez has actually Weez has impressed good. me. Yeah, That's, and uh, Yuri passable as a guy who last year did not look like he could keep up in this league, like he did not belong. He's my 4C right now. I have no problem wiping the slate clean and saying, you're the 4C until you prove otherwise. Would I like to see other guys? Yeah, because I like them better. But if we're going to roll with Yuri right now, I don't have the biggest problem in the world with it. Dale showed me all I need to see. You know what, Dale? You can stay in the lineup <laughs> until you know the good players actually come back. I mean, Charlie said it a million times. He wasn't a bad player in Montreal. He just got here and forgot how to play hockey. So maybe <laughs> he's wrong. just remembering. Yeah, like it I took I, him a little while. I, I think I said this on Twitter, but you can't argue with this that when he went after Brave McNabb, after Brave McNabb hit hit Limblom, it was amazing. That was his best moment as a flyer. That was yeah. the one time where the where the entirety of the Wells Fargo yeah. Center was cheering <laughs> for Dale Weiss. It was like, oh my God, Dale Weiss did something like objectively great. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I, I had if, to rewind and watch that like six times. <laughs> one of the things I want to say is if. Because Weiss can skate a little. It's not yeah, like he's your old deterrent. He's not bullet, but he's no, not no, slow. No, he can skate a little. So if this team is going to, I do think they need to be a little tougher. I see guys taking liberties on the Flyers, and they go unanswered. Uh, 
if we're going to get rugged Dale Weiss, I'm not saying he needs to drop the gloves. I don't. He doesn't need to be the Hanson brothers. I'm just saying if he's going to throw the body around a little and be the rugged Dale Weiss we were told we were getting two years ago, I can deal with that in a fourth-line role, especially while we're, while we're missing half of our freaking forwards. Injuries. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that it comes to this. I Again... Yeah, we have better options than Dale. They're all freaking hurt. So unless they're going to bring up all Bay Q Bell, this is fine with me for now. Yeah, and like as as Kelly said, Weiss was popular in Montreal because he did things like what he did to McNabb. And the best part about that that thing too is that it was a monster hit. It knocked Brave McNabb on his ass, and it made it very clear that like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna hit our players. We're we're gonna get back at you. It wasn't a, wasn't a penalty. No, it was yeah. a very it, clean hit. It, it was a clean. It was a clean but mean hit, and that's exactly what you want, especially in the new day and age. Like in the new NHL, you you can't you can't be especially in a zero zero game. You can't be taking a penalty, you know, just to send a message. It's about winning. But we found the way to get back at McNabb while also not putting his team in a hole. It was a good play. And now that's what we're going to talk about. You can't take a penalty, especially this freaking team. Yeah, do not take a single <laughs> penalty, that's please. The goal. They were they were yeah. good against Vegas, but they've had some rough nights. They have. Uh, and it's this and this penalty kill, man. Uh, I talked about how I thought uh, I wasn't on the last show. How I thought they'd been maybe a little bit more aggressive after you know two games. I think it was, but yeah, that's gone away. This team, whether it be on the penalty kill or at five on five. They need to pressure like crazy in the neutral zone, and they need to challenge every entry. Because guess what? Even if you get burnt, it doesn't matter. Because if you let the other team get set up in the offensive zone, they're freaking scoring. This team will, unless they get three brand new shut down, like good defensemen, this team will never be good in defensive coverage. The forwards aren't good at it, the defensemen aren't good at it, and the goalies aren't fast enough to move, to cover when the other team is passing. What? So guess what? You need to take away the opportunity for them to get set up, and that's the only issue. Uh, defensively, this Goldborn? team... Is- Sure, why no. not? <laughs> I don't know that the, the players aren't good enough to do that. I think that they've been instructed to play a system that doesn't have them do that, particularly on the penalty kill. It's they I, I forget where I was reading this. It was a maybe it was you or it was a discussion um in the comment section, but someone pointed out that their entire strategy seems to be about taking away the pass rather than playing guys on the penalty kill and it's not working and it's also something that we've been talking about recently um just at broad street hockey is that it seems to be infecting the phantoms now like it's trickled down they seem to be playing the same system and it's not working there either so you wonder like how long do they have to do this thing that's not working before someone notices that it's not working well you see there's a common denominator there and it's ron hextall yeah well, this is so teams do this. Like when you say that it's trickling down to the fans, it absolutely is trickling down to the fans because an AHL team will use the basically the exact same systems as the NHL team so to, 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 to make up. it yeah. easier for call ups yeah. to, to translate. So it's absolutely the same system. Like that, if you watch a fans game and you're like, hey, that looks familiar, like it's not your eyes tricking you. You're, you are seeing the exact same shit. I will make the point though that I disagree with Bill in the sense that. The players, particularly at five on five, like the players right now are not playing well defensively. They had a very good game defensively against Vegas, but on the whole, in the first five games, they're not playing well defensively. I do think they are much better than this true talent wise because under Hackstall, they've actually been a pretty good defensive team. 
at five on five. Like, considering the, the quality of goalies they've had for most of Hacksaw's tenure, they really should be giving up more goals. And it's because, as a cohesive whole, they do place a lot of pride in defense. It's one of the reasons why we yell about, oh, they, they don't let them take enough risks and stuff. But, like, they're a pretty good defense team. So far this year, they have not been, but they can get back to that. The penalty kill is a different story because the penalty kill, I do believe, is a system I problem. just... I, sorry, I'm just going to jump in here. I was joking with our, our friend the other day that the Flyers are the new devils, but like they are. With, with their defense-first system and being incredibly boring, I think that they're the new devils. And the devils are winning games. With their The de- Flyers are not. Well, The devils don't play that way anymore. Yeah, they don't no, play that anymore. anymore yeah. Which is why I said the Flyers yeah. are the new devils. <laughs> Hello, pay attention to the words. I, uh, I just... Like with this defense first thing, they're not good enough defensively to win games two to one. So they need to fucking score. Like no matter how much they focus on defense, the goalie isn't good enough, and the players aren't good enough to win win games two to one. So they need to take. I just don't understand. Like okay, they're decent defensively, but if every mistake ends up in the back of your net, you're not good enough defensively if your goalie is part of your defense. Yeah, but see now now we're just now we're arguing two different points because. Really, so far this year, the defense hasn't been good, and they're losing not because they're playing too defensive. They're losing because their defense has been bad. Yeah. So what's probably going to happen is that over the next few games, the defense is going to get better, and then we're going to see if this team can win two to one games. They obviously didn't on Saturday, but as you already said, that was because Flurry stood on his head, which is 100 percent true. Oh yeah. I'm sure that this team is going to tighten up defensively because Dave Haxel is not going to let this continue. He will sacrifice offense to ensure they don't give up eight goals again. And also, Ivan Provorov is not this bad. That's very. True. True. Like he's not going to play true. this bad for the whole season. Well, Kelly and I were talking about this last week. Like he hit. Yeah, but he he really fell off. This can past we week. talk about that for a second? Like, yeah, I don't know what's going I on. The, but I thought the second and third periods against Vegas, he started to show some signs of life. But uh, things are not good. He's kind of a mess with the puck on a stick right now. Yeah, like really kind of a mess with the puck on a stick. Why does he continue? And I think it's kind of funny sometimes. But why, when he like carries the puck through the neutral zone, does he continue to just take it right up the gut into three defenders and turn it over and it goes the other way? If you have an opportunity, sure. If you think you can get it deep and you want to chase, like I just what what is he? I don't understand his whole mindset with the puck on his stick, carrying it, passing it. I, what is he doing out there? He's supposed to be a number one defenseman. I really thought this was his year to show that he's the man. Not quite so far. No, and I like I said, there's I mean, there's absolutely no way that's going to last. Yeah, it's early. We're five games in. That's- it could just be a bad run to start the year. But yeah, I mean, especially the San Jose game and the Ottawa game. Really, I honestly didn't think he played that well in the Vegas game. Like he's I thought, first his first pe- I thought his first period on Saturday was terrible. And then in the second and third, he just made a couple of plays where I was like, all right, that's okay. Cool, 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 cool. He's cool. he's fighting the puck. Yeah. It's very obvious that he's fighting the puck, and then it's in his head that he's fighting the puck because then he's making some really dumb passes because clearly he doesn't have confidence in his ability to make the plays that he usually can make. The good thing is that we've seen him make these plays before, so it's not like we. It's not like this is a guy who we're just not sure if he has it. Like he didn't forget how to pass the puck at age what? What is he? Twenty two? Twenty one? Twenty one? Twenty one? Like it's not like he forgot it, and he's not even in his prime. Age. He's one. Presumes, especially as somebody with the, with the work ethic of Provorov, that he's going to just continue to get better, or at the very least, not fall off a cliff. I'm I'm just worried that he didn't quite heal from whatever the injury was last year. 
the the shoulder that was just so long ago though yeah but what what was it it was like a it was a shoulder separation what he, separa- he separated his like, like ac joint that that's the thing is they said it was a separation but like do we know and this is again i'm not a doctor and i have no idea but i've like, separated my shoulder before there's no way to fix it yeah, that's do we, and do we know there wasn't ligament damage too? Like, is it? I just see the guy right now looks more like the guy who looked bad in the playoffs than the guy who looked awesome in the regular season. But I mean, a, a separated shoulder doesn't make you make dumb decisions, and he's making dumb decisions. That's fair. That's totally fair. And I just, some of it, I just feel like his physical limitation. I don't know. I don't know. It's just concerning to me because I wanted this to be the year everyone stops saying Ivan Provorov is one of the most underrated players that everyone's going. He's one of the most properly yeah, rated I'm not, players. I'm not yet ready to be worried about no, it. Again, and everyone looking around the league at the number of goals being scored, most mm-hmm. teams right now have horseshit on defense. That's what that's what we're looking at around the league. There's a ton of goals being scored. And yeah. like, while the Flyers were shut out the other day, Again, they had how many opportunities, breakaways, the stretch passes that were. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's happening around the league. Yeah. Scoring chances are up. I think most teams just aren't there yet because, as we saw, veterans ain't playing in the preseason anymore, and they're not ready to go. Yeah, the structure isn't there. But <laughs> I, I do agree, though, that like this is a problem. Now, it's not a problem I necessarily would expect to still be a problem in early November, but it's a problem. I spent a lot of this weekend reviewing basically every single game they've played so far and looking and specifically highlighting all the defensemen. Hopefully I'll have an, I'll have an article up on it in the next few days. I, the only defenseman I have not reviewed entirely is Hague, but I reviewed the other the other five main ones. Um, and really what it boils down to in my, from, from what I've gathered is that there are two main problems on defense right now. It's Ivan Provorov, which is really bad when it's your number one defenseman who gets the most ice time out of anyone, and it's Andrew McDonald. And th- mm-hmm. those are your two problems. Gosper is playing pretty much fine. He had a couple bad shifts, but he's playing pretty much fine. Santa's playing pretty much fine. Gudis is playing really well, which shocked the hell out of me. But, like, he had... I, I did this, like, rudimentary grading system of his shifts, and, like, he's been the most consistent shift-over-shift defenseman on the team. And Haig, I haven't evaluated his his performance yet, but I've liked what I've seen from Haig. So, really, their defensive problems, in my mind, are limited to two guys, Proveroff and McDonald. How about... And one of them is actually good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about Haig, all of a sudden... Aggressive, Jump, mm. jumping in and joining the rush. Mm. Looks like he can pass a little bit. Looks mm. like he can wire the puck. The, the a passing bit. is mm. the passing is not. I, I I'm still seeing a lot of off the glass and out. Uh, it's the, but I'm seeing more activations and that's good. I like that. It's the, weird. The off the glass and out is there. I think he's maybe reduced it a little when you go through your thing. Yeah, I'm, you I'm, I'll be curious. To see. I just yeah. think like he just seems whether it be passing, whether it be carrying, whether it be jumping up, a more confident guy. Like the way he was confident in his ability to go for hits and recover last year. I'm seeing that a little more with the puck. I wanted to get to this later, but, but since you maybe people jumped the gun saying that he. Was bad. Uh, he just, you know, looked not like a top four defenseman last year. It's just not what he looked like. I mean, I still don't think he's a top four defenseman, no. but I think he could be a good third pair defenseman but if he keeps doing this. And now we're gonna. Since you mentioned Andrew McDonald, I want Andrew McDonald. I want to jump to that real fast. Yeah, because um, it, it's a problem. I, I, I've convinced myself in the off season. You know what? If the other five are getting the job done, at least at a, you know at the, at the rate I think they can, and Andrew McDonald is just your third average third pair defenseman, which he could be. All right, fine. I'm going to stop. You know, killing myself over Andrew McDonald because life's too freaking short to yell about Andrew <laughs> Goddamn McDonald every week. 
But how long can this Andrew McDonald charade go on? Like, they can talk all they want about how winning matters this year and what we're trying to do finally for the first time in Hackstall's tenure, for the first time in Hextall's tenure, winning at the NHL level is the primary concern of this organization. The general manager said that. Well, as long as you're dressing Andrew McDonald and playing him like a goddamn number three, that's a lie. You can say he does things to help the team, but you're lying. I don't care what sort of metrics you can come up with. I don't care about how... Make him the coach. If he's just this rah-rah guy who helps the young players, fucking fire in Le Perrier, because like we said, the penalty kill is 24th. It's up from 28th last year, but they're at 72.7%. Make Andrew McDonald the penalty kill coach. Get him off the ice, because he stinks. Well, you see, if he becomes the penalty kill coach... The entire team will just be laying on the ice for two minutes. Starfish Maybe Central. You know, it, it won't. It won't even be the full two minutes. It'll be like everyone's laying on the ice for fifteen seconds. A goal is scored. Then yeah. they get up. At least they wouldn't screen the goalies. That's fair. <laughs> Maybe that would be better. They're Maybe just, they you just, know doing snow angels. <laughs> if they just laid down and let the other team score, and then got back out on the ice at five <laughs> on five. Maybe that would be better. Oh, you have God. more time to score a goal now. You're not playing deep. I kind of want to see it just for one game. What but, really but, frustrates me, sorry, Charlie, and Charlie's going to get into the numbers here in a second, which are bad. But like we've acknowledged <laughs> a million times that Dave Haxall probably doesn't give an, a single fuck about Corsi. Um, he only cares about goal-based metrics, which whatever. But like if you have never looked at an advanced stat in your life and you're just watching a Flyers game, you can see with your eyeballs that he's terrible. You don't need any numbers to back it up. It's there, plain as day, which is like, it's one thing if a guy doesn't make big mistakes, but his numbers are terrible and you're like, man, why don't you pay attention to the numbers and get this guy off the ice? He's bad top to bottom. Eyeball test, numbers test, everything's bad. Why are they playing him? Yeah, and it's like... He's not usually this bad. And I think that that, that points a point that needs to be made because last year his numbers were not very good. But everybody was in general agreement that, like, eh, you know, he Andrew, Andrew thought yeah. it was okay. Yeah, he, if you he, played him 17 minutes a night instead of 21, it'd be like, it was all right. Whatever. Yeah, like he was, he was passable. It wasn't like everybody just decided that Brandon Manning was the guy they hated, partially <laughs> because it was Brandon Manning, but also partially because Andrew McDonald was face. doing less stuff to really anger people. Mm-hmm. This year, it's been on an entirely different level. And I have to believe part of that is because he's still hurt yeah. and came back from a six-week injury in two weeks, which again, why the hell did you push a guy who's already not that good to come back way earlier from an injury? That makes no sense to me. And then I hear quotes like this from from Ron, and I like Ron Hextall as a general manager. I think he does, he's, he's, he's a good, good general manager, good at his job. But I read quotes, like I, I hear quotes like this, and it's just like, dude, just stop. He says, everybody, he was basically asked about McDonald and, and was directly posed to him that he might still be hurt. And the response was, everybody has their ups and downs downs during the year. I don't think he's been that bad. There's been a couple things, but you can say that about every player. For some reason with Mac, it always seems to get highlighted. All right. Because goals are highlights. All right. Yeah, we're such dicks. <laughs> I, I, like, I mean, you're not like, wrong. I get it that some fans are probably too mean to Andrew McDonald. I get that sometimes, like, if him and Proveroff are on the, on the ice for a goal against and they're equally at fault, yeah. everybody's going to scream at McDonald and give Proveroff a pass. Because I, we like Proveroff. I, I agree with that. However... He's actually playing this bad. So don't 
don't shit in my salad and tell me it's croutons. In terms of the idea that, like, no, the only reason why you think he's playing bad is because you don't like him. No, he's actually yeah. playing bad. Do not try to sell me on this idea that I'm so biased. Andrew McDonald, in the five games he's played this year, has been somewhere between bad and utterly horrific. And it's a problem. And if you're too blinded to realize that, then I don't know what you're watching. Because, like, I'm not even, I'm not even slandering the guy. I think he's playing hurt. Like, I yeah. don't think he's this bad. I think he's playing hurt. And in on that front, that's on the coaches and that's on the front office yep. to tell him, dude, you're not helping the team get healthy. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh. He's not that good to begin with. If he's out there injured, you're you're actually making the team worse. And again, if this is all about winning this year, like they keep telling me, well, that's a lie. <laughs> he's like, the worst player on the ice every single night. Get him out. So here, here are the numbers that, that Kelly referenced. So with the caveat that after five games, numbers aren't super valuable, these are still staggering. So the Flyers have a 38.71% Corsi 4 percentage with him on the ice. In terms of, of more like actionable numbers, they've lost the shot attempts battle ninety five to sixty when he's played at five on five. That's, is that good? That's bad. No. Oh. Even worse is expected goals, which is something that McDonald usually does better by expected goals than than Corsi because like he does do a decent job when he's playing at a hundred percent of preventing quality chances. They just give up a lot of volume. Well, by expected goals, which basically weights every shot for quality and location, he's even worse. He's got a 27.12 expected goals for percentage. And the Flyers are allowing 5.48 expected goals per 60 with him on the ice. Now, for reference, Ottawa on the power play last year averaged 5.46. So basically, now granted, Ottawa was the worst power play in hockey, but still, there was a power play last year that essentially was was generating as much shots as the Flyers are allowing. So Quality shots. The Flyers were al- are allowing now with Andrew McDonald on the ice. So what at you're five telling on five. me, what you're telling me is when Andrew McDonald is on the ice, the Flyers are basically a man down. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. And and it's it's scary. But that's that's how bad it's been. And it's like, look, I want to see the guy play better, right? But if if he's not physically capable of playing better right now, I mean, as bad as Fallen looked in game two, like put him back in. Like, ser- seriously, let the guy Woo! get let the guy get healthy. Like, I don't think I'm not as crazy. Like, I've said a million times, my biggest problem with Dave Hackstall is how he handles goaltenders. I don't think it's as prominent as everyone. Oh my God, he doesn't trust young players. I'm like, they've introduced more and more young players every year, and a lot of, like the second line before all the injuries was freaking yeah, it was all kids. Limb- was nothing but kids. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't think it's that mu- crazy, but to allow Andrew McDonald to go out there and do this when there's a guy named Phil Myers just in the AHL, fair, this fair. to me is. Yeah, if, if we let people see how good Phil Myers is, then, then then the Andrew McDonald stuff will really get going. It's like when we have him under a contract for another year. I, uh, I just... Phil Myers has been looking a little rough in Lehigh Valley. Yeah, he's not killing it. Um, um, and Andrew McDonald looks like he doesn't belong in the league. No, I understand that. <laughs> I'm just saying let, let's not expect Phil Myers to be Jesus. Oh, I don't. I if just... he gets called up, he's going to struggle worse than what he's struggling in, in Lehigh Valley right now. I want to switch gears real quick and talk about a player that I uh, Jake Voracek oh, Char- Charlie's favorite player I love Jake Voracek uh, yeah, I enjoy him <laughs> but uh, there are there are some athletes in every sport who just just baffle me and Voracek is one of them uh, he's one of the players I watch and go I know nothing about hockey <laughs> I, I will be so frustrated with him after about 10 minutes 
And then 15 minutes in, he's done something like, I don't know, uh, tie the game with the Senators on, on a nice play, go into the net, and then at the end of the night have five points. I'd like to point out that what we need to do is we need to get a clip of that that last <laughs> statement just so we can play it like they do in radio. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Yes. Uh, I had this, I think, was it the Senators game where he had five points? Uh, yes, yeah. it was the Senators game. Yeah, I had points. this whole Jake needs to get it going monologue ready for post game a few minutes into that game. And then I added, hopefully this first period goal gets him going. And when I read it after the game, remembered what makes Voracek great. Is he the best player on the ice every night? No. And that's what makes people frustrated because he can be on any given night. And when he is, he straight up carries the team. Like his great games, he looks like he's as good as anybody and uh, I, I just it, it drives me nuts because the one thing I'll say I know we've gone over the numbers um, where'd we go since 2013 <laughs> since 2013 nobody on the Flyers has taken more shots than Voracek with uh, 1,289 Voracek has led the team in shots the last two seasons and three the last five seasons so this while I believe Voracek needs to shoot more what he really needs to do is take high danger shots more tries a lot of bay and angles uh, tries a lot of wraparounds and stuff like that when he skates into the slot and shoots, he generally gets pretty good results. I need to see that more out of him, acknowledging that he is an assist machine and he puts up as many assists as pretty much anybody. He's very good at it. It's working for him. He's He can be a frustrating guy to watch, but man, uh, when he's on, he is freaking on. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess this is where I kind of differ from you, Bill, and I know we've had this conversation before on the show, but, like, I don't find him terribly frustrating to watch, but I guess I just, I don't know, like, this is the subjective part of hockey and that I actually like his playing style. Like, yeah, he maybe turns over the puck a little bit too much, but to me, the vast majority of his turnovers are coming because he's trying to make a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, like, that doesn't bother me. I get why it bothers some people, but I've always liked Jake Voracek's style of play. What's super weird about Voracek is that, like, Bill's not alone. Like no, most not. of the Flyers fans that you interact with on Twitter spend an entire hockey season complaining about Jake Voracek not being good enough and sucking, and then he ends the season with 85 points. Yeah. And I will I'll never I'm not complaining about I just see areas of his game that could be improved, and that's yeah. you know, coming from me, he's an NHL superstar and I'm me, but this is just what I see when I'm watching. Like, yeah, I love when he tries to make a play, but when you're puck handling into three guys, you're not gonna make that play. Make a little bit of better decision. Turn back and get something going and make a pass or try try a different angle, something like that. Don't always look to make a pass. Shoot every now and then. and that goal, uh the second goal he scored. The two on one. Yeah, the two on one was very obviously the goalie was leaning in the five hole. Yeah, the so, goalie was convinced he was going to pass because he's Jake Voracek. Five hole was wide open because he was just leaning ready to get across to make the you know to play the pass and he just shoveled it right in and that's what we see a lot on um, Jake's shootout attempts is oh Jake's going to try to take me left and beat me to the post and he just shovels it right between uh, right between the legs and it goes in. Um, you know one of the things about Voracek's shot though, and this is this is one thing that very inconsistent. Well, it's not even that it's very inconsistent. It's not you know we, we talk a lot about snipers that they have quick releases. Voracek does not have a quick release. No. Mm-hmm. Voracek kind of shoots like he's shoveling. Yeah, and, and, and like <laughs> call his shots, shovel. Yeah, like it really does. He kind of like pulls it back and then sort of like pushes it rather than snaps it. He looks like he's gonna take an old school wrister, and it just kind of like 
I don't know. He shot puts. It's a weird shot. It's a weird shot. It looks weird. Yeah. And maybe, like, I don't know, maybe if he tried to get to the slot more, it wouldn't matter because he just doesn't have that that type of shot that can do it. Like, he had that one year, was it the lockout year, where he had he scored on, like, 20% he, of his shots? It's yeah. Like, yeah, that's not happening again. He had, like, 20, <laughs> he had 22 or 23 goals the lockout year, and that's his career high. Like, he's matched it, but that's it. Um what was oh the first goal he scored against the Senators though I loved because it's the one thing I would absolutely if I could change one thing about Voracek it's that I want to see him play a little less on the perimeter I know he's a great distributor and I know he's he puts up big points I want to see him play a little less on the perimeter because he's a big guy get to the net every now and then especially if you're playing with G I get when you're the main distributor on your line like you're the puck carrier you need to be out there and do the things that you do but when you're playing with G who's the freaking best puck carrier on the team and one of the best in the league and one of the best distributors to ever put on a Flyers jersey get to the net and he did park, that and scored. Park your ass. Yeah. yeah. He's I mean, a big his, guy. his teammates have said on numerous occasions they've, they've commented on Voracek's big ass. He's got to be a clan right I, 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 think, <laughs> I think Lawton said that once last year where he's like, well, can you learn anything from Voracek? And Lawton says something to the extent of like, well, I don't think I can learn to have as big of an ass as him. <laughs> it's like, uh, what was my Braden Shen? He's got a thick trunk. Yes. That's exactly what you said about Use Braden Shen. Use your Leclerc ass a little bit. And he did. <laughs> he's and... got like Yager ass. Yeah. Yeah. Goals, just- <laughs> <laughs> like, and that like I just see I see Voracek as a sixty-five to you know maybe eighty point player, and it's like, dude, you could be eighty plus if you just did a couple of different things. But would it take away from what he does well? I don't know. I get why people are frustrated with him, but I also recognize there's like ten right wingers in the league better, and that's Ugh, it. Even then, I don't even know. Yeah, and that's like it might not be that many. Yeah, no. People are get a little bit crazy about Jake Voracek. They do. Like he's he's had multiple point per game seasons. Like, calm down, please. Pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Which is, you know, what you say about a, an actually good player and not Dale Weiss. <laughs> I said he's been for him. There's levels yeah, of there's, good. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm judging everyone on their own slide. Yeah, yeah. Spirit. Well, it's, the listeners get pissed off when we do that. He's Dale Weiss good. He's it's not like Jake Voracek good. It's like when people tell me the Entourage movie was awful. I say, no, the Entourage movie was Entourage. Okay. And you just expected it to be something else. <laughs> it is what it is. And yeah, It was just you a know, yeah. two, like, hour and a half long episode. Yeah, it was a 90-minute season. <laughs> uh, Charlie, you wrote about something in uh, one of your ten uh, in one of your ten things articles. It was your ten It was your ten. You things. did words. <laughs> words. I I'm wrote gonna them. Try to, I'm going to get the sentence out eventually. <laughs> it was, I could just keep talking it was over your, you. It was your 10 things article from the home open. Oh yeah, that was a fun one. And you wrote about something that it you're a, a statistical analytical mind and you kind of got into something that like I would get into. You said, uh, yes, they played well the season opener in Vegas, but only the diehards are staying up to watch at 10.30pm start on a work night. Time out. And not even that them. That was fucking brutal. That was brutal and I hated it and I never want to do it again thank you they're going to do it next year you know oh, oh, I, every year I, every year we always start on the west coast oh well I'm going to blow up the Wells Fargo Center before then so Jeez, <laughs> Steph, you can't say that kind of stuff allegedly allegedly <laughs> <laughs> she is not going to do that I am not going to do that <laughs> the home opener if fire hacks all thank you the home opener mm. on the other hand scheduled for a Tuesday night at a reasonable hour with little except out of town MLB playoff playoff games vying for local eyeballs 
It's a game that casual but hoping to be convinced fans are going to make a point to watch. Just as they check out game one of a playoff series versus a bitter rival. Or the first game uh, of that series tied at one. The first home game. First home game of that series coming home tied at one game apiece. The Flyers don't win a lot of big games. No. They, they tend to... This uh, team does not. This, yeah. this Flyers, has not. This iteration of the Flyers team, my God, Sucks. every time... But they don't, and that's the I problem, know. because every time it looks like they give you a little hope, they come out and just get curb stomped at home or in front of a big crowd. You made note of it. You didn't even reference it in the article, but uh, Game 3 of the Washington series a couple years ago, first in Philly and uh, right after Ed Snyder's death, places rocking, Flyers take 1-0 lead in first minute, lose 6-1. And we all remember how... Uh, the bracelets. The yeah, bracelet. Yeah. We all remember how that ended. It was an embarrassment. And they just... For a team that is decent, at least in the last... Like, they've made the playoffs two of the last three years. They've been decent. They get... The shit kicked out of them when everyone's looking. So remember, I think it was Drew last season who had some comments about them just getting a little bit too much in their heads at home. Um, yeah, and they were misconstrued yeah, about it being him, about the fans. Yeah, him shit talking the fans, but it was more about him saying that the team gets in their own head and, and feel too much pressure playing a home game. Which there might be something to that, but they need to get the fuck over that. Yeah, yeah, like, like quick, real quick. It's just you know, it's frustrating for for someone like I want the Flyers selfishly. I want the Flyers to be good, not just because I like the team, but because if the team is good, that makes my job easier because more people want to read my articles. And what's frustrating about it, watching this team, is that. Casual fans are not going to watch game 32 against the St. Louis Blues, no. but they are going to watch the key games. They're going to watch the big ones. And if you if you play well in those games, or if you even you don't even have to win, you just have they have to be exciting, good games where you see like Nolan Patrick get two goals and Travis Connecting do Travis Connecting things like that could hook a new fan. But what happens is you have a, a large segment of Philadelphia that is already kind of like eh on hockey, but they say they're four for four fans. So when the Flyers are in a big game, they're going to watch and maybe they could get convinced that this is a team worth following and what happens is this happens is they get wrecked and then those fans for the next year every time the flyers are brought up in conversation it's like yeah they're a joke and you know what the flyers only have themselves to blame for those fans having that perception because every time those fans go to watch a game they get curb stomped it happens all the time and i'm i'm tired of it happening because it's just every single time the eyeballs of the city are on them this happens God, the curb stomp. That's real. I feel that, and I'm not a casual fan. <laughs> and that, but like, Charlie, you said at some point this team is going to have to deliver a statement game when all eyes are on them. When's their next opportunity for that? They are next yeah. year. Like, playoffs. Yeah, like, when they make the playoffs, or is it like, no one's going to watch the first round of the, the playoffs. The last game of the year when Drew needs a hat trick to get them into, like, when is that game? Yeah, like, like this is a stupid, like, a stupid this comparison movie wise, but like, I, it's crazy. It sounds like I kind of go back to that, the one. One scene in the in the Hunger Games where like she she's she's aiming at the at the target and all the judges are there and she misses and then all the judges kind of chuckle and they turn away and then she, next one she shoots and hits it right down the middle and she looks up and they're all just like chat and they're not even looking at her it's like you you had that one chance and you blew it and now it doesn't matter that you that the next night in Ottawa that you played well and you won seven five and it was an exciting game where you scored a lot of goals. 
the people that weren't sold on you to begin with aren't watching that game because they already just watched you get torched in the game they cared about. That's, you blew it. You blew it. The, the only time that I could see the casual fans coming back is if they advance in the playoffs. They're not going to watch the first round. They watched the first round last year. <laughs> and we all know how that went. And they didn't just lose; they lost the, in blowout fashion. Yeah, fashion. Three of the games were blowouts. They got the elimination in Game Six. They blew the lead, and then it and like they had the lead, and then somehow got yeah. blown out. I just, I just envision. <laughs> I, I, how are you yeah. winning, and then you get just the shit kicked out of you? Like I envision conversation. You have like two friends, and and the one friend's a diehard Flyers fan, and the one friend's a casual Flyers fan. And the playoffs start, and the, the diehards like, you got to watch this team. It's going to be fun. They're playing Pittsburgh. Okay. Okay, I'll watch. And they watch game one and they get torched. And then the, the casual fans are like, oh, screw this team. This is a joke. Yeah. Then the Flyers win game two and they play well in game two. And then the diehard fans, no, you got to watch this team. It's game three, tie series. They're going back home. They've stolen home ice. This could be great. Game three, they get torched again. Like, it's just every single time they have a chance to change the narrative, they fail. And I'm not saying this is an inherent quality of the team. Like, I do think a lot of this is randomness, but. When randomness keeps piling up, it doesn't matter whether it's random. People will create narratives around it, and they're allowing these narratives to be created because every time they have a chance to change the narrative, they fail miserably. I mean, it's what their identity is right now. Yeah, it's this is wildly inconsistent. That whole definition of mediocrity thing like comes from this, like the failings in big moments. It's like, yeah, they made the playoffs, but there's still that perception in hockey where it's like everyone makes it. You know, yeah. it's it's a little different now than it was mm-hmm. when they were twenty. Not much. It's a, li- I mean, a little, a little. When they were twenty. Two teams in the league and sure, sixteen sure. still made it. <laughs> yeah, that was a little different. Like, <laughs> and, and they say our generation is all about participation yeah, trophies. But it's like, <laughs> I know I've made, and this is going to be my last thing on this. I know I've made it a thing to sometimes like get on the home crowd fans, and maybe they don't do their part, especially in I big was games. Really hoping we weren't going to mention. No, that. but like this is the part where I'll say like I'm wrong about that. Uh, maybe not wrong, but it's not like the players on the ice are doing their part either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if every time there's a big game, they shit the bed. What the what are the home? What's the home crowd supposed to think? Like, are they supposed to be the most optimistic fan? Oh yeah, this 43, is what I've been trying to tell you. Forty three years without a cup. This one will be different. Like, uh, you know, you can only you can only be so optimistic. What do we want to end with? Here, with guys? crappy, crappy crapness. Thank you. <laughs> it's a technical term, folks. <laughs> Which are also from the homeowner. Professional. Uh, homeowner. Also from the home opener, I just have to point out some of my favorite sports yes, writing read this. ever is this, is this sentence by Charlie. Unfortunately for the Flyers organization, the crazed Muppet of a mascot and his death-defying descent proved to be the closest thing to a highlight <laughs> provided to the fans over the course of what became an excruciatingly long evening. Charlie, that paints a picture. That's some great, that's some great <laughs> sports writing. You really captured the spirit of the thing like Dickie Dunn. Uh, <laughs> Not Thanks, everyone's going to get that reference. Oh, man. Uh, what else do we have here? Are we done stroking Charlie's Just, ego? Yeah, Never. That, that felt good. I'm Vorobiev. not going to lie. We like Verobiev, right? He, we like, I mean, the like last Vorobiev. couple games he's kind of been eh, but I still like him. I mean, yeah. I'm a big, big Misha fan, and I don't even like the name Misha. We're calling him Mike. Mike? <laughs> Mike. Does yeah. he want Mike? No, we are calling We're him Mike. We're calling him Mike. All right. Yeah, why not? Instead of Misha. I, I think that's all the time I'm we cool got. With that. We did it. We started a little late if you oh, wanted to. Get, yeah, if, because I couldn't get the video together. But if you want to stop, we can All right, stop. No, I, I thought we were out of time, but then I remembered that. Uh, two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Wayne Simmons, this was in Friedman's 31 uh, Thoughts before the Ottawa game. Uh, Wayne Simmons says he's about 95%. 
What what are we thinking about Wayne so far? Like he's uh, looked better. He definitely looks better. better right? yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I I would say not quite back to healthy, but I mean much better than last year. Yeah, he certainly looks quicker and stronger than he did all of pretty much all of last season. Maybe with the slight exception of like that very very beginning of the year, but even then he was already battling the the pelvis thing. Yeah, I, I actually further down in this uh, in the thought from Elliot Friedman is that. Um, Simmons is is a little bit more bulky than he usually is. He's he's at nearly 190 right now when usually he's at 180 185 because he stopped doing as much cardio when he was recovering from the surgery and the injuries. And that's something I actually did want to touch on. Good work, Steph. Uh you reminded me of what I wanted to say about that. Um again, I'm a professional. Yeah. We, we talk about the you know the organization wants to re-sign Simmons and Simmons says he wants to say stay. How much of that is lip service? How much you know they're going to ante up? Whatever we'll find out. But I will say if Simmons is the Simmons we're getting right now, and he, he's found it really really hard to put on weight. Like he's always one eighty to one eighty five. Steph, he's about one ninety right now, and it's because of the surgery he wasn't able to do all the uh, all the cardio. I think there's a way for him. While maybe he won't be the same skater, like if he gets to 195 late in his career, like that could be a way for him to retain the goal scoring and the edge he has in, in puck battles and things like that. Like if they're going to resign him, I see a way for maybe him to not fall off a cliff and it's for him to be a bulkier guy. I don't know whether he can do it. I mean, he has a lot of trouble putting on weight. And it's he gonna, is a skinny, skinny man. He is like for skinny a, legs. And this is yeah. this is more asking him to add on an additional five pounds. I don't know. I don't know if his if his frame can support it. It would just have to be a real regimen change. And again, I don't actually think the Flyers are going to retain him. I just do you because I think they are. I don't think he's. I just don't see him settling for. I just see big money for him, man. People love him. I mean, him. I, we've discussed this. I yeah. hope he makes big money. I just don't know if it's the smartest move for the Flyers to it's give it to not. him. It's not. But I, I, for, for his sake, he deserves it. I hope, oh, he, makes, I hope he makes the big bucks. I really want him to get it, and I just don't see... I see that JVR signing as kind of a year ahead of time taking care of that big hole. It's like, mm. yeah, we'll figure it out this year. You'll be on the third line with them, and you're not on PP1 yet. But it's a five-year deal, JVR. Just hold, hold tight. Uh, I kind of see that as that. But we'll see. We'll see. It's a long season, gang. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out on Facebook Live, everybody who did that. Uh, my name is Bill Matz for Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. (laughs) 